Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, the Alexei Toropchenko contract extension, previewing the Blues' first game in like three weeks between, you know, the St. Louis Blues, of course, and the New Jersey Devils, and answering the very important question, is Craig Berube the right guy to lead the core of the St. Louis Blues, given his new contract extension? All that and more. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hyman and I am joined by the hot take master himself, Thomas Welch. And we got a banger of an episode for you guys. See, I knew you'd like that. I do like that. I'm all about we the got hot a, takes. We got a banger of an episode for you today. Probably lots of hot takes coming out of this one because Craig Berube signed a three-year contract extension with the St. Louis Blues. And with the core kind of changing up to speed and skill and Berube favoring physicality, got to ask the question, is he the right guy to, to you know coach this next wave of the Jordan Kairos and the Robert Thomases of the world? Uh, plus, we got a game preview for the first time in forever, and we'll be talking about the contract extension of Alexei Toropchenko. But before we get into that, I wanted to thank anyone and everyone out there who is making Locked on Blues your first listen, whether it's with your morning cup of coffee, on your way to school or work, whatever, we appreciate it because we're free and available on all podcast platforms. All right, Tommy, in the intro, I teased the question, is Craig Berube the right guy to lead the core of the St. Louis Blues, the Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, maybe Scott Perunovich, whatever. The speed and skill group that is most likely going to be taking over the St. Louis Blues in the next few years. Craig Berube doesn't typically align with that play style, you know, as his primary focus, but here he is, three-year contract extension. Is he the right guy for the job? I'm going to preface that question by saying he is absolutely the right guy for the Stanley Cup window. So I think we need to take that into consideration, first of all, because... You know, it's like, uh, it's an opportunity here that's ahead of us. And we're looking kind of three to four, maybe five years down the road. But if you're asking yourself, who gives the Blues the best chance to win a Stanley Cup right now? And the answer in your head is anyone besides Craig Berube. I just think you're inherently wrong, unfortunately. But so that, taking that into consideration with the play style that they have currently and kind of a hybrid team that can play with speed or can play with that physicality, um, I think there's a lot of similarities in the system that the Blues run currently to the one that they ran with Ken Hitchcock in that emphasis on defense. But obviously, it's difficult for them to have that emphasis on defense right now when the defense has been the weakest part of their team. So they've kind of had to work their way around that and mold their game uh, to support themselves in areas that aren't defense. Um, and they've done that with their offense, and Doug Armstrong has helped them do that by bringing in guys like Buchnevich and bringing in guys like Krug and Justin Falk and all these guys, Brandon Saad. Fantastic acquisitions that are uh, making this a well-rounded team without having to lean on that defensive play, but it's still kind of the basis of the system that they run, right? So when you ask the question, uh, when it comes to speed and Jordan Kyra and Robert Thomas, we had a problem with Mike Yo and stifling the play of young prospects. And I don't think Craig Berube has really had that problem. I mean, we've seen 
the emergence of Jordan Kyron, the emergence of Robert Thomas this year. We've seen the offensive emergence of Ivan Barbashev, which I'm as surprised as a lot of people. I think we knew that it was in him, but in the system that the Blues ran, I didn't think we'd ever see it. And under Craig Berube and this team that has been more offensive based than it has in years past, he's thrived in that position. So is he the right guy? I would say, given the fact that he has chemistry with the guys in the room, it feels like everyone on the team absolutely loves him. They never have anything bad to say about Chief. He always gives it to you 100%. Uh, He'll tell you when you're doing good. He'll tell you when you're doing bad and react accordingly. So yeah, I'll say yeah. Even though he is more of a defensive-minded coach and a physical-minded coach, I think he can adapt to a team that has the star power of Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas at its helm. Uh, he can let them do what they do and what they're good at, which is exploring their creativity uh, and creating chances off the rush rather than going in forechecking, trying to grind it out with physicality, uh, even though we've seen at times that they're able to do that too. So I, I'm 100% in on Craig Berube. I think uh the argument could absolutely be made that he's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in Blues history, because he's the only one that's won oh, the Stanley took, Cup. You took my next, my so, next little yeah, clip. I was gonna, I I'll was let gonna you segue you. to that then. Yeah, I mean, for the record, even though I posed the question, you know, in a great clickbait fashion, um, oh, is Craig Ruby the, the right guy for the job? Personally, I think he is. You know, I might have, I might have made it sound like I was a little on the fence there, um, but. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we've seen Craig Berube have willingness to adapt his style. I think we definitely saw at times last season he was a little stubborn um, when it came when it came to like his lines and, and and the guys that he would put out. It definitely got a little frustrating at times, and it felt like he was a little you know hard set in in his ways in terms of the the forward groups that he was sending out. But then all of a sudden this season, Ivan Barbashev is the perfect example. Ivan Barbashev is a guy that Craig Berube loved to throw out and be sort of that that uh do it all two-way player um and he was good at that you know he wasn't great at it by any means you know he wasn't he wasn't a ryan o'reilly type but he was good at it and then this season he comes in and you know starts producing offensively and craig berube gives him free range to say hey we don't need you we don't need you to be that two-way guy as much anymore if you're gonna play this well offensively we'll put you up on the first line go out there score some goals get some assists so he's shown adaptability this season and i think the only like the only issue there is like okay, he, he's signed till twenty twenty five. The window is till twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. So there's gonna be a very very different Blues team in his final season of that contract, which is why you're like okay, the timing's a little weird, you know. But like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And there's a legitimate argument to be made for Craig Ruby as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, in the second segment, Tommy, I'm going to raise the question to you. What will it take over the next three years for it to become a no-doubt GOAT case for Craig Berube? It's a big statement. It is a very bold statement. There's been a lot of amazing head coaches in Blues history. You know, Ken Hitchcock, Hall of Famer. Um, Mike Keenan. Uh, Joel, He's a good Mike, one. Hmm. Joel Quenville, you know, obviously probably another Hall of Fame head coach. Uh, so a lot of a lot of names that he's gonna have to compete against, and you know I'm sorry for the the, the old timer Blues fans that are like, oh, what about this guy who coached the 70s and 80s? I don't remember the names of those guys. So you know if <laughs> we might be making ourselves sound a little silly, but hey, that's why you're the hot take master, and I'm gonna put that on you first, so I I, I can bounce off of you and sound a little less silly than you do if if someone comes into our uh, comments proving us wrong. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at Built Bar. 
this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions. It's February, you know, those, those end pretty much January 2nd, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. And have you tried Built Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best tasting Built Bars. Puffs are the first ever protein bar, or sorry, not protein bar, protein-infused marshmallow. They are actually sound the like first a real protein bar that was ever created. Yeah, we can confirm that. That's <laughs> the first protein bar. Yep. That doesn't even sound like a real protein-infused marshmallow. Made the fire, oh and my then right goodness. next to them, marshmallow puffs. <laughs> it was amazing. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, like I said, but they're still low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar could be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Built Bars, you're only getting about 130 calories per bar, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You got so many delicious flavors to choose from on top of that, including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it, and it'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you as well. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. First, they make it taste delicious, and then they figure out how to make it all healthy. I don't know how they do it, but literally, they do not miss. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com, and we'll be right back. All right, Tommy. So, before the break, I pitched you a little little softball to have another one of your glorious hot takes. Uh, and that is the question of, it's definitely up for debate right now. Craig Ruby could be one of the greatest coaches in Blues history. But what would need to happen in the next three seasons for it to be a hands-down, no debate, Craig Berube, build the statue, et cetera, et cetera. Not saying it's anything likely to happen because, again, three years is a short period of time. A lot of good coaches in this organization uh, in their history. But what it would take for Craig Ruby to... Put himself at the top. I think all he needs is another cup, to be honest. And even if he doesn't win yeah. another, just 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 another, <laughs> just another, cup. St- don't worry about it. Yeah, how about you? But even if he doesn't win another Stanley Cup, I think he has an opportunity to put together a resume that definitely puts him up there uh, with the top coaches in Blues history. But you think about like the resumes. I mean, the Blues have had some insane coaches uh, in the history of their franchise. But I'm talking about this strictly from a resume that they put together with the St. Louis Blues, right? So with Quinville, obviously won a ton of cups with the Chicago Blackhawks, boo, I know. But in his time with the St. Louis Blues, he never won one. Ken Hitchcock won some Stanley Cups. Other places in his time with the St. Louis Blues, he never won one. So Craig Bruby's already got a leg up on those guys in terms of that. But, I mean, in terms of playoff wins, you talk about Scotty Bowman coming in. He made the Stanley Cup Finals in the first three years of the St. Louis Blues existence. So that's amazing coming from a coach uh, that just took the reins of an expansion team. That's like Vegas Golden Knights stuff right there, to be honest. So that's extremely impressive. And I think Craig Bruby has every possibility of catching those guys. And when you take into consideration the fact that he has like the NHL experience, played over a thousand games in the league. Uh, he's he's one of the only coaches in history that's played over a thousand games and has like like an elite crew, and he's one of them. So when you take all those things into consideration, I think he has an opportunity to be the best Blues coach of all time. Like I said, if he wins another Stanley Cup, I think that's uh, the no doubter. But we could definitely have this conversation for the next 
three years since he got a since he got an extension, but also like five and years beyond. It just kind of depends on, uh, like you said, with that timeline of uh, his contract, uh, it it is kind of a head scratcher. Like if he comes in and it's like bringing in that new guard of, and the new core of guys that are built around Robert Thomas and Kyrie, right? But I think. Like you said, that'll be like his, the last year of his contract. So it's almost like a trial run for the Blues to see like, okay, this guy's typically physical, typical defense. He ran a system of cycling pucks. Can he run a system of speed, offensive, and creativity? Uh, and they'll they'll see in that season if he struggles and the Blues have to move on. I'm sure Doug Armstrong will make that difficult decision. But uh, if he's up to the task, I'm sure they'll extend him too. So. Yeah, so I got the uh, the the list of coaching records in St. Louis Blues history pulled up, and a couple of things jump off the page for me right away. Uh, Joel Quenville at the top of the list coached 593 games for the St. Louis Blues, won 307 of them, good for a 5.82 winning percentage. Next up on the list, Ken Hitchcock, 363 games, 224 wins, good for a 6.67 win percentage in his tie with the St. Louis Blues. And you're like, 667, that's unheard of. That's unbeatable. Craig Berube, 190 games, 107 wins. 629 win percentage. Small sample size, but no, there's only one I, way I to, mean, small there's only one way to grow that sample size. He's already, you know, up to the one, two, three, four, five, top six in terms of uh, winning as Blues coaches. Four wins away from passing Scotty Bowman to move into the top five. It's fathomable. It's fathomable. If he sticks around, you know, past this three-year contract, gets another uh, contract after that, wins a lot of games, we could be looking at this list in a couple years' time with Craig Berube at the top. Um, Definitely a possibility. Real quick time before we transition into the preview between the St. Louis Blues and New Jersey Devils. What are your thoughts on Alexei Toropchenko's contract extension? Sort of a minor deal, you know, two-way deal. But they continue to make moves, continue to dish out these contract extensions. It means they're, you know, they're building for something. They got some sort of plan in place. And how does Alexei Toropchenko fit those plans? Kind of reminds me of a similar deal with Logan Brown. I mean, you got a big winger that can shoot the puck, uh, but has also shown a little bit of skill, a little bit of speed, and knows what he's doing in there. So, uh Fourth round pick in 2017, I believe. Uh, he's got 32 games played with the Thunderbirds this season. Seven goals, five assists, so 12 points total. Nothing to write home uh, to the wife and kids about, but he's also only 22 years old. So uh, he's got plenty of time to develop. I think the Blues are going to let him develop. I think he's on a, I'm pretty sure he's on a two-way contract, so uh, he can still spend time in the AHL, develop his game. Uh, build chemistry with other prospects that are there, and then hopefully, potentially, fingers crossed, be a part of that next uh, core coming in. I'm going to head to the the third segment, or second ad break, I would say, a little early because I want to have us to have plenty of time to talk about uh, the game without interruption um, because the Blues have a, a big matchup tomorrow night. They currently sit uh, in a wild card position in the Central Division, sort of a, a, a rebuff to the season starts tomorrow. They've had a lot of time off. You know, second half of the season, quote unquote, starts tomorrow. You know, the 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 end, uh, ending leg, whatever you want to call it, and they are in the midst of a Thunderdome division of the Central Division. It is crazy competitive. Every team is within like three or four points of each other. Last time I checked, um, that might not be completely accurate, but it is really close. So the Blues, every game is going to count for them moving forward. Um, so we'll be talking about all about that. 
and more. But first, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts, and we'll be right back. Okay, Tommy. So I was a little, a little, a little off the mark with my uh, Central Division um, analysis. Colorado Avalanche are kind of blowing everybody out of the water with 68 points in in 44 games, 32, eight and four. My goodness. But then the next three spots, you got the Nashville Predators with 60 points. The Minnesota Wild with 59 points and the St. Louis Blues with 57 points, all within a couple games of each other, like in terms of games played. So it is going to be a battle down the stretch. And I'm not worried about the Wild. Likely second place. That's true. We do beat them every time. But but that being said, you know, I'd much rather finish in the, the two or the three spot and play one of Minnesota or Nashville than finish in a wild card spot and run into a, a team like Colorado in the first round. You know, it's where things get a little spooky. Um, so that being said, you know, every point's going to matter from here on out. Um, not a lot of games left in the season. The blues have 38 if I'm doing my math, right. Which I did have to switch for being a math major, which, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I had to switch from being a math major too in like kindergarten. (laughs) Yeah. That's when I was like, it took me a little too long. Actually, when they, when they started throwing the letters in in algebra, I was like, yeah, this is too much for me. Yeah. Calculus was the, was the killer for me. I'll do it. Um, numbers and like they got they got they added a fourth dimension when you're doing the little shards mm-hmm. it was oh it was awful i'm having like ptsd just thinking about it blues have uh have a tough road ahead of them uh regardless of their opponents they got uh, uh two other teams in their division that are going to be probably right in line with them for the rest of the season um colorado's gonna be up there too if they can maybe catch them and it all starts tomorrow night 8 p.m eastern against the new jersey devils tommy what do you want to see from the Blues, not just in tomorrow's game against the Devils, but in this quote-unquote second half of the regular season? I really want to see a strong start from the St. Louis Blues. I think that's going to be huge for this team. Coming off a loss in their last game before the All-Star break, and they are now playing a New Jersey Devils team that was riding a seven-game losing streak before uh, snapping it against the Montreal Canadiens in a 7-1 to fashion. So I, I don't think we're going to see the best of the New Jersey Devils, uh, <laughs> all things considered. Um, so I'm hoping the Blues uh, get on them early, jump on them fast. And I think the All-Star break obviously is a time for players to relax. Uh, obviously watch the All-Star game and Jordan Cairo do his thing. That's awesome. But uh, it's a time for them to like take a break from the game, relax, maybe like look at their game and the outlook on the season and see areas that they might need to improve or all those things. So I'm hoping that they all had some kind of recollection of that and come out guns a-blazing in the first game back. Like I said, lost the last game before the break, so they want to come out, make a statement, start the rest of the season and the end of the season, the second half of the season, on the right foot. And they have an opportunity to do that against a struggling New Jersey Devils team that doesn't have Jack Hughes. The schedule, looking at it now... um on my phone i don't know if you guys can see this on youtube that is a lot of hockey games the blues have a very congested schedule moving forward so that's why why i was kind of saying like opponent doesn't matter got a lot of back-to-backs coming up a lot of weeks where you got you know one day off i'm looking here i only see 
a handful of stretches where the Blues have more than one day off in between games uh, for the remainder of the season. It looks like most of their games are going to be either a back-to-back or one-night-off situation. So regardless of who you're playing, you know, fatigue's going to be a factor. Um, Blues are going to want to keep fresh legs. We've seen what can happen when they play fatigues, like in that game against the Calgary Flames where they got absolutely embarrassed 7-1. to So going to be a huge test and I think starting strong is really important for that you know if you if you're playing on tired legs you don't want to be playing from behind and it's going to help that most of the league is going to be playing on tired legs you know that's kind of what happens with the with the tail end of an NHL season but that's what that playoff intensity is about you're you're relying a little bit less on just you know speed skill and strength and you're you're getting that those gritty goals and you know just taking advantages of opportunities more mistakes are going to be more important it's it's meaningful hockey not that the first 44 games weren't meaningful but the playoff atmosphere is going to start to creep in and you know give it a few weeks every game is going to start feeling real important for the st louis blues it's put up or shut up for sure there's also speaking of meaningful hockey a revenge game alert for john gillies because he's probably going to be in the cage with Mackenzie blackwood on injured reserve dougie hamilton's on injured reserve too so and jack hughes obviously so not injured reserve, but COVID. So th- this is this is a, a a shell of the New Jersey Devils team that uh, started the season and is at a hundred percent full strength. So uh, it's an opportunity for the Blues to take advantage of that. Focusing in on uh, the New Jersey Devils game in particular, Tommy, who is your choice for lockdown player of the game and why? I'm gonna go the easy route here, but here's why. I have I have good reasoning. Okay, uh, okay. we always talk about. The most important thing with young guys coming up in the league, and especially skill guys, that I mean, if you're if you're a skill guy and you make a deke and the puck starts going the other way and you look like a fool, kind of, and you have to hustle back, you're going to be hearing it from your coaches, hearing it from the vets on your bench, like, hey, can't lose the puck there, all that stuff, right? So I think, and a, I think a big part of deking is just confidence, because if you if you go into a move thinking it's not going to work, then it's probably not going to work. But if you go into it thinking that it's going to work. Nine times out of ten, you can kind of just manifest that, right? So I think Jordan Conf- Jordan, Jordan Confidence, Jordan Cairo has shown a, uh, a massive— Confidence is his middle name. Yeah, literally. Massive increase in the confidence of his play this season. The speed, his edge work, his hands, his shot, everything has come together, right? And then he goes to the All-Star weekend and burns past the entire league, including Connor McDavid, with his speed there. And um, they talked about it on 32 Thoughts. If the league did not know about Jordan Cairo, they absolutely know about him now. So I think feeding off of that going into this game in the second half of the season, there's a very high chance and possibility that we see an even better version of Jordan Cairo with a heightened version of his confidence. And if we do see that, uh, he's going to be an absolute barn burner for the rest of the season. So I'm going to go with Jordan Cairo as my locked on player of the game. The the hot take master himself going with the sleeper pick of the Blues' leading scorer <laughs> as locked on player of the game. Sorry, had to do it. Oh boy, really, really dug deep for that <laughs> one, eh? I don't know. I, I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pull up my phone right now to to remember who else is um, on the team. Has been pretty. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, okay. When no, I that's fair though. It's literally been such a long hiatus. You're like it has been a long Jesus time. Jesus Lord, who you gotta remember like what the lineup looks like almost, but. Yeah, post post All Star break is a is a big you know a split for for players. You've seen it in the past, like uh, guys have either boomed or bust, busted busted uh, after the All Star break. Um, 
for one reason or another, it could be related to confidence or whatever, but it's definitely a common thing. And I think one guy that, I don't want to say he got robbed, but is an all-star in my heart and probably an all-star in all of our hearts and, and could have could have made it this year if it weren't, you know, one player from every team makes it. Um, a guy that I think might have a little bit of a fire to prove why he should have been an all-star. Uh, that's Pavel Buchnevich. I, I think Buchnevich has still been, you know, top three most valuable players on the team, all, all things considered, all season long. Um, I do think, you know, like, not, not as flashy as Jordan Cairo. Like right. How successful right. And like, that's what I'm saying. He's had. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he deserves to be an all-star, but you know, there's a world out there where maybe, maybe Pavel Buchnevich is on the Toronto Maple Leaf and he's got the extra media attention and, and he's having this year that he's having, and then he's an all-star, you know, there's, there, there's, a, there's definitely an argument to be made that Pavel Buchnevich should have been an all-star, um, in, in different circumstances. And I think he knows that he's a guy that, um, pushes himself has a lot of a lot of desire to play well you can see it in his emotions on the ice he, he really wears his heart on his sleeve uh and i think you know post all-star break he's gonna be hungry to be on a no offense to new york rangers a, a winning hockey team you know he hadn't really experienced a ton of winning hockey pri- uh, prior you know the rangers had a couple good years here and there with him on the roster but you know this is his first real season where he not only has been you know on a on a team that's been really good um He's been kind of leading the charge. So I'm looking to see, you know, him take take that motivation and channel it into the second half of the season where I think speed and skill is going to take a little bit of a backseat to physicality and and you know just being strong on the puck because like I said, a lot of tired legs, a lot of back to backs, that sort of thing. And and we talk about a strong start. I think Pavel Buchnevich is going to come out firing on all cylinders against the New Jersey Devils after his extended break where he maybe wishes he was uh in Vegas playing in the All-Star game and playing in some of those competitions. So my pick for lockdown player of the game is Pavel Buchnevich. A little I, I you picked the leading scorer, I picked like the third leading scorer. I like it so though. Jokes on jokes on And me. I love his Instagram stories too. So if you if you haven't seen his Instagram stories, he's probably got some of the best social media game among all the St. Louis sports. I don't know it's if pretty, I've seen it's his pretty Instagram good. stories. He's throwing up selfies of him on the beach sipping out of a coconut. It's good stuff. But um, I don't even follow Pavel Buchnevich on Instagram. Shame on me. Speaking of Buchnevich, and you talked about him, we talked about him not getting really the recognition that he deserves. It almost kind of reminds me of uh, the same kind of scenario as his boy Kreider over on the Rangers because it's like, oh, Kreider scored again. Like, yes, let's go. And then like, oh, Kreider scored again. Like, yes, let's go. And you just like keep doing it every game. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wait a second. Kreider leads the league in goals like when, when did that happen and it's like uh, Pavel Buchnevich I feel like his play this season is like everyone talks about like oh he's having a good game he's having a good game but no one's talking about like dude this guy is an absolute force on this team all season long and all of a sudden you look up and he's like top three on the team in points so I like that pick as well my second pick was actually uh a pretty a pretty good one so I'm gonna bring it up anyways uh and we talked about the all-star break being like a reset, a, a good time um, for players to look at their game, kind of take a breath, take a step back from hockey, and then jump back into it and maybe uh, revitalize themselves. And I don't think anyone on this team needs more of a revitalization than the goaltender Jordan Binnington. So if he is a net against uh, the New Jersey Devils, which I'm assuming he would be because he is still the starter and you're still paying him $6 million, um, I think that would be a <coughs> massive game for him. Mostly just because the last time he was in the cage, the Blues didn't even give him a chance, right? Like they didn't even give us give him an opportunity to show that hey, I want this 
I want this net back. This net's mine. I want a Stanley Cup with this team, and I want to go do it again. No, they they just didn't even show up for the guy. So if they don't show up for him again, there's no excuses. You literally just had <laughs> like an all-star break to kind of rest, relax, mm-hmm. and then just hop back into it. So fast start, big game from Binner, and a big game from Jordan Cairo is what I'm expecting against the New Jersey Devils. Is, is Binner starting? Is that I'm not confirmed? sure. It's not confirmed yet, but I think it's like – I would assume that Bennington is starting. Man, t- today marks the one-month mark since Jordan Bennington won a game with the St. Louis Blues. That is crazy stuff there. January 9th versus Dallas, and then let up six goals in his next game and seven in the one after that, and five in the one before that. So I hope you're right. Um, I hope you're right. I-, I think I think that's a good point. I think Bennington has had a lot of time to you know sit down and and mull over these emotions of, of kind of getting doubted for the first time since, you know, since he's been called up to the St. Louis Blues, you know, doubted by his own organization. And I think he'll use that as fuel. I think that's a great pick as well. Um, if he's playing, if he's starting, which uh, he might not be, who knows? Um, but we'll find out more. That being said, I think that's all the time we have today for today's edition of the Locked On Blues podcast. But if you want to hear our reactions to tomorrow's game and every other game the Blues play, like pretty much till the end of time, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Leave a review if you're feeling so kind. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We're, we're doing really well there. We're having so much fun with that. Um, and smash that like button. Oh my goodness. We can't, we can't, turn, into, can't turn into those YouTubers. Hit the notification bell to enter our free no, gift card actually, giveaway. Actually, don't smash it. Just like give us a little, like just a little, just a little caress. Keep us honest. Lightly, just, like, lightly caress right the, the like button. Just a little, just a little baby mm. thumbs up, and then pop out real fast. Hit that notification bell again, lightly. Uh, if you yeah, want to be notified, I'll well, look away while you do it. Whenever we upload a new video on YouTube, leave a comment. We've been interacting with those comments, replying to you guys. That's a lot of fun as well. You know, fan interaction is always great. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials, Locked on Blues, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Follow my Twitter, at Josh Hyman NHL. There it is. Follow Tommy's Twitter, at TWelcher15. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, let's go Blues.